we are coming out of Easter, and we are going to um, talk about a sermon series called uh, Blessed to be a Blessing. And so we'll do that for about the next five weeks um, as we think about coming out of Easter, as we think about how much we've been blessed. And hopefully each Sunday we get a taste of that, that as we sing um, about being a new creation, um, as we celebrate God's grace and love for us, I hope that all of you can sit here and just remember how blessed you are. But I want to say that's only a, a half of our Christian life. If I can summarize the Bible, the rhythms of our Christian life, I think, I think this might capture it. We're, we're blessed to be a blessing. Now, I can expand that and kind of say, we are blessed in Christ to bless the world for the glory of God. I try to make it a little more theologically sound. But I think the, the phrase, we're blessed to be a blessing, captures the Scriptures, actually. So what I want to do today is I want to just talk about what that looks like, why that's so important. And then following Sundays, we're going to talk about how we do that in different spheres of life. How do we, how do we be a blessing with our families? How do we be blessings to our, to our friends and communities and neighborhoods and, 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 and in our workplaces and, and this world? And so we're just going to kind of think through that for the next several weeks. So today, we're just going to talk about uh, why this is so important and how do we do it? How do we begin to live this out? So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Now, I'm going to read several passages, and so if, you, if it's more helpful, I am going to try to have our verses up in the front. And so you could, you could try to look it up, or you could look up up here. Um, hopefully, it will help us as we go through some of these passages. So first... The first one is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We'll pause there. Here's the very first thing that God does to Adam and Eve. He blesses them. What does that look like? We're told here that God created Adam and Eve in His image. They have a, a unique identity. They, they knew God. Not only that, but God gave them a special privilege, position of reign, like rulership, right? That they were called to rule over the creation. Summarize those things. It simply says, verse 28 says, God blessed them. God blessed Adam and Eve. And they were called to multiply, right? They were, they were called to procreate. They were called to fill the earth with image bearers so that the glory of God, the image of God would fill the universe. I mean, that was God's original plan. And God told them to rule over all the creation. They had a unique privilege, unique position to know God and to bless the world. 
That was their job. But as most of us know, that uh, they, didn't, they didn't get to do that. They didn't do that. Sin entered, and rather than bringing flourishment to God's creation, they brought curse upon the land. And in, in just in a few chapters, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, we get a picture of humanity's downward spiral because of sin. Genesis 6, 5 says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What a sad predicament. I mean, this is after several chapters, after several generations, God looks at humanity and says, there's only sin. All the intentions, all the desires of their hearts are covered or gripped by sin. I mean, this is a sad state. And so what does God do? Well, God starts over in some sense with Noah and his family. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, it says, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So it's the same mandate. God blesses Noah and his sons and says, fill the earth, right? Cover the earth with my glory. That was their mandate. But again, they don't accomplish this, including we have the story of, of Tower of Babel where they want to make a name for themselves apart from God. That's, that happens in chapter 11. At the, and by the end of chapter 11, after many generations, there is a sense of spiritual and physical barrenness. It ends with Sarah being barren. And that's important because that family line traced back to Seth. And, and so what the Scripture is saying is there is now only darkness. The family that knew God turned away both, both uh, spiritually and there's, there's barrenness physically. And so there is darkness that's coming over the, the race of humanity. And then it's out of that context, God calls a man named Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord God said to Abram. Before this chapter, this verse, Abram is no one. He's just one of many names that are listed in, at, at the end of chapter 11. But it says, the Lord God said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So what does God do? God makes a promise. He makes a covenant. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And through you, I'm going to bless the families of the earth. That's God's promise, God's covenant. And we know that this um, ultimately happens through Christ. Uh, God does bless Abraham and his descendants to become a great nation. But ultimately, this verse, this covenant points to Jesus. Listen to what the New Testament writer, the, the Apostle Paul, says in Galatians chapter 3. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So, uh, verse 8. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham 
saying, you shall, that in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So the New Testament writer, the Apostle Paul, looks at the covenant that God made to Abraham and basically says that promise was for you. Right? That in faith, we are blessed like Abraham was blessed. In Christ, right, through faith, we are descendants of Abraham. We are blessed. This promise is about us. And so Paul, in chapter 5, or Galatians, book of Galatians, he unpacks what this looks like, right? That he, he talks about how we are now, in Christ, justified, meaning we stand before God as a righteous person, not because of the works that we've done, but because of our faith in Christ, that God sees us as a righteous people, as righteous people. We are made right before God. We are justified. And Paul unpacks the whole book of Galatians. It's sort of about that. At the, and the, and the, towards the end of the book in chapter 5, this is what he says. He says, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we could kind of say the book of Galatians is about Paul pointing, or Paul's looking at the, the Christians in Galatia, and he's saying, you have been blessed like Abraham. The, 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 the promise that God made to Abraham was about you. You have been blessed in Christ. And he says, now go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go serve one another. You've been blessed. Now bless others. And we could trace this theme throughout the, all of Scripture. You've been blessed. We could say as New Testament believer, you've been blessed in Christ. Immensely blessed. The Apostle Paul says in, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing so that you can bless others. Now, these two parts, they are equally important. Because what happens if you try to give and bless others without recognizing your position before God? What happens? We could call it, we get burnt out. But we're trying to give without receiving. We're giving, giving, giving. And what happens? We, we become empty. There's nothing for us to give to other people without receiving from God. And so we talk about things like Sabbath, rest. We talk about gathering on Sundays to worship. What, what is this? It's being reminded of God's blessing for us. We've been blessed tremendously. And again, we could talk about God's blessing for us in Christ every Sunday for the rest of our lives, and it will not do justice. We have been blessed, immensely, eternally blessed. So we need to be reminded of this every day, every week. But on the other hand, the same thing is true. If we keep receiving God's blessing, we keep saying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me, without giving blessings away, you know what happens? Our Christian life becomes stale. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, if you're salt of the earth, but what good is it if you lose your saltiness? That's what Jesus is talking about there because in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, 
Blessed are you. He, he lists nine things. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. You're blessed. Not, not in terms of financial blessing or what the world calls blessing, but you have been blessed in Christ, in me. And then he talks about you now are the light of the world and salt of the earth. If salt loses its saltiness, it's, it mounts to nothing. What happens if we ask God to bless us and bless us and bless us without giving things away, without sharing our joy, without telling others about good news? Our faith, our heart shrivels up. We become stale. Um, you know, and most of you know this, but the Dead Sea is located right between Jordan uh, and Israel. And uh, I don't know how many of you have been there. I've been there once about 10 years ago. It's beautiful. And um, it's called Dead Sea, as some of you know, because uh, there are no living things in this body of water because it's so salty. And the reason why it's so salty is because there is no water flow. The water flows to the Dead Sea from the Jordan River, but because it's located so low, it's 1,000 feet below sea level, that there's no way for any water to flow out from this body, and so it becomes salt, saltier and saltier. There are no living things in the Dead Sea. And I think sometimes our Christian life could look that way. We receive, we get, we ask for God to bless us without giving things away, and our heart shrivels up. We become stale. Okay, we need both things. We need to know how much we've been blessed. But at the same time, we need to bless others. We need to allow God's blessing to flow through us. This is God's design, friend. This is how we're made. Think about this. Anytime you, anytime you receive any kind of good news, like what do you, like what do you want to do immediately? Like you want to share that good news to, with someone else, right? So for instance, um, I've been, uh, we had a little car accident, so I needed to buy uh, another used car, and I finally got one um, after like two weeks of researching and uh, calling. Um, finally bought one, and so what I, the fir- one of the first things that I did was I took a picture, and I sent it to my kids because they're in college, and guys, here, look what I found. And uh, I just wanted to do that because, man, I, I like the car. It looks, I mean, it looks okay. It looks good for a used car. This is great. I wanted to celebrate with my kids. So I sent them pictures, and, yeah, they said, Dad, good job. It looks nice. Wow. And I just, you know, text them. I just, it looks nicer in the picture than, you know, so don't be disappointed when you see it. But I wanted to do that because I want to share my joy. And you know what happens? When you share good news, when you share anything that's good about you, any, any blessing that you have, you know what happens? Your joy multiplies. You experience greater joy. And unless you actually verbalize any kind of goodness and joy in your life, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't finalize or complete your joy. That, this is how we are made, friends. And what's the best thing about us? It's Christ, isn't it? That's the best thing about us, any, any one of us here. Like the best thing about our life is, is our life in Christ, that we now have eternal life with God. We have future destiny. I mean, Paul talks about we have 
inheritance in Christ that will not fade away. This is good news. But in order for that to multiply and for us to feel it and experience it, we need to share it. We need to let it flow out. Now, I just want to say, um, you know, as a pastor, and I think I said this about a month ago, this is an area that I, I need to grow in. And I think for most of Christians who've been attending a church, this is something that we need to, we need to, grow, we need to be intentional about. And so I am taking a, uh, a course called, uh, basically it's about evangelism. You know? So I, I have been thinking about that. I have been trying to reach out to my neighbors more intentionally. Um, but this is, this is our call. This is how we are made. This is all over Scripture from the beginning to the end. The first thing that, again, God does to Adam and Eve is he blesses them and says, go and bless the world. Bless the allow the creation to flourish. So how does this look like? So I want to share five things with you. They'll go really quickly. And basically, these are five things that Jesus did in the Gospels. Now, these five things are uh, not my original thoughts, but they are from a book called um, Bless Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbors and Change the World. Right? Actually, they're acronyms, so they're B-L-E-S-S, those five things, all right? So, um, letter B, begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. When you see Jesus' life, he's often praying, isn't he? Before he starts his ministry, he, he prays. And the book of Hebrews tells us that he's, like, praying for us now. He's interceding in our behalf he is our high priest who is praying for us. So friends, if you want to reach out or bless others, begin with prayers. And before we overlook this, I think this is the most important thing. Because oftentimes what happens is, like, we don't feel love and compassion towards other people. But we go, oh, you know, I'm so consumed and worried about my life and my job and my health and our family and and understandable, you know, that's it's normal. How do we grow in our love for other people? How do we do that? Well, we begin to pray. We pray for other people, and you will be surprised that the Spirit of God will work in your life, in your heart, and your love for other people will increase. Without raising hands, just think about how many people are you praying for, like consistently, on, on some kind of regular basis. I think that correlates with the lack of love that we have for other people. So begin with prayer. And if you are here, I'm not sure exactly who to bless or I don't know who I should I don't know, reach out to or encourage. Again, just, think, just pray, a simple prayer. God, help me, to, like, help me to see people around me through your eyes. Help me to know who, whom I should bless. I, like how, who should I approach? Anything, just begin with prayer. Number two, uh, L, little L, uh, stands for listen. Again, it really, when you look at Jesus' life, um, he, he, rather than answering questions, he, he would often listen to people. Um, one commentator wrote, 
he was asked different questions, some questions, 183 times. But out of 183 questions that he received, he only really answered some, a few. And you kind of think about that. That's, I mean, that's interesting because obviously Jesus knew everything about everyone. He could have spent like, his whole life just talking and teaching and instructing, but he doesn't do that. He, he asks questions. And it's ask, by asking questions that relationships happen. Hearts are open when you begin to show genuine curiosity towards other people. Like, how is this going? Whether that's on Sundays here or, or, I don't know, friends, co-worker, you ask, how's it going? And you remember them to pray for that person, what they shared, and ask them a follow-up question whenever you see them again. I mean, that will, that will open their hearts towards you. We ask questions, and then we listen. Letter E stands for eat. <laughs> eat. I like this letter. Eat together. Now, think about this. This is, this is really interesting. The gospel writers could have wrote about so many different things about Jesus' life. But the gospel writers often writes about Jesus's, Jesus eating with people. His first miracle took place in a wedding feast. One of his, his well-known miracles is about feeding the, the 5,000. Right before the crucifixion, the last thing that he does with his disciples is to eat. He shares a meal. Even after the resurrection, the, the very first thing that he does that we read about is to have a meal with his disciples. Like eating was a consistent theme in Jesus' life. And I think that's intentional, obviously. The gospel writers are telling us this was a crucial aspect of Jesus' ministry. Now, we will often think about Jesus' teaching and His miracles, and those obviously are very important, but eating with people was significant because in that culture, when you ate with someone, you were inviting them in to be your friend. You were saying, I value you. You are, you are worth my, my time. And I think that happens. That, that applies to our culture today. When you can slow down, and ask someone to have a meal with you, whether that's, what, 40 minutes or an hour, you're sitting down with someone and just talking life and sharing. Something happens. So eat. Eat with someone. Little S. That's S stands for serve. Um, in John chapter 13, we have this great passage where Jesus, again, is looking at the cross, but he, he gathers his disciples in the upper room. He gets down on his knees with water and basin of water and towel. He begins to wash their feet. Uh, this act was reserved for the, the lowly servants, but Jesus does this. And Peter says, no, how can you do this? And Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. And so he washes all the disciples' feet. And then at the end, he says, uh, he says, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Basically saying, serve one another. Don't think a task is to uh, below you. No, bend down, be humble. Take on the posture of a servant and serve someone. And then he ends that section by saying, if you do these things, 
if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is saying, um, as you serve other people, as you bless other people, you will be blessed. This made me think about, um, for about 10 years, we had a partnership with our uh, team in Spain. So each summer, we would send maybe a, a team of about 10 to uh, Barcelona, Spain, or near Barcelona, Terrassa, Spain. And we would basically serve uh, the missionaries there, their missionaries and their kids. And so we would go and we would cook, <laughs> serve three meals, run the VBS, um, clean, uh, do devotionals, lead worship, um, just play with them, fellowship. Like we would give everything that we had for that week, just serving the missionaries. And towards the, towards, the, towards the end, I mean, physically, like, you're exhausted, tiring. But spiritually, like, something came alive. Like, it, it, it refreshed us. And so the verse that we clung onto during those times when we served our missionaries comes from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So in some sense... When we bless others, we will be blessed. When we serve others, we humble ourselves, become like Jesus, and we serve others, we will be blessed. This is a biblical principle. The way we get blessed, obviously we get blessed by receiving, yes. But at the same time, we get blessed when we give and we serve. Especially those who are on the margins, those who are weak. We get down low and serve them. We blessed. Lastly, the last letter S stands for story. And so when we look at Jesus' life, after he meets, eats with them, um, serves them even, people are ready to listen. And Jesus would often share the story, whether that's in a parable form or, or a teaching, something where Jesus will begin to explain all of Scripture, or who God is, or who He is. Um, and I think in, in our relationships, as we um, begin to pray for people, as we listen, as we eat with them, build friendships, as we serve them, people's hearts will be more open to you. And you will have opportunities to share about your greatest blessings in life. Who is Christ? You can share about Jesus. You're not preaching to them, but their hearts are open because you have been building relationships. You have been loving them. You've been praying for them, and hearts are open so that you get to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It happens, friends. And so this being um, blessed to be a blessing, I am with you. I'm preaching but I'm also preaching to myself because this is something that I need to like, embrace and work on. And friends, as a church community, this is a message for us. If we want to live a vi vi like, spiritual life that's uh, filled with passion and vitality, life, it has to flow through us. We receive the blessings from God, but we allow God's blessing to flow through us. That's how our Christian life st stays vibrant. 
like alive. It's, when we stop this flow, it's stale. We, our heart, our life will become stale. And again, the same way, if we don't, we're not able to receive for some reason, then, then we get burnt out. But the rhythm of the Christian life is recognizing how much we've been blessed and we have been blessed and blessing others. It starts from Genesis, ends in Revelation. In some sense, not in completely, but in some sense, we can, I think, capture the story of God in that way. We have been blessed in Christ so that we can bless the world for the glory of God. All right, let's pray together, uh, and then we'll close our time. I want to give us a minute to just pray.